0: plushcare.com slash weight loss welcome along to the rocky road boxing podcast with me your host simon mcguire sitting in for regular host kevin Byrne, who joins me on the line kevin how are you
1: not a bother today simon
0: how are you keeping i'm good thanks i'm good thanks so uh, I was just thinking, we um, we sent you down to the National Stadium to do a boxing press conference. It must have been good to get out and about and get back on the beat again, was it?
1: I've escaped my rusty cage at this stage. Yeah, um, it's been too long, been too long. Um, I got along to the National Senior Finals there a few weeks ago and we managed to get a couple of podcasts out of that before and after. Um, that was a brilliant experience because I hadn't been for a couple of years would have been behind closed doors and stuff. So, yeah, it's great to get to any boxing event I can. Um, I don't get to enough these days and uh, they like the elite seniors were, were unbelievable and it was great to get back to the National Stadium again. Uh, last week for this press conference, it was a good cool crew of people there and uh, yeah, just nice to see people again. Get, get a bit of the chat on.
0: I was just thinking, was the last one we were at, was uh, a was Joe Ward's pro debut press conference? Or am I going back way too far?
1: Who, myself and yourself? Um, or yourself even on your own. Like, as a boxing press conference, I know I've been at a couple since then, all right? yeah. Uh, Off the top of my head. Which ones? I couldn't tell you. Um, The problem is you can't remember. They're few and far between. There's not not enough shows in the South to to get to the press conferences. And I don't bother traveling to the ones in the North anymore. I used to. I used to travel up and back on the same day. And there was a crew of us going up. And we'd meet in the morning and drive up to two hours to Belfast go to the press conference and then hit the road again, probably stop off in Dundalk to do a bit of work. And it turned into an all day thing and, and I'd be getting home and I'd be working maybe at three o'clock. So you'd end up being on the go from maybe seven in the morning until, ah, you know, midnight. It just got too much. So I don't bother with the press conferences in the North anymore. And there's not too many of them anymore either. You get them with the, with the Conlon box and stuff. Um, But yeah, you don't really get too many of them other than that. I, I much prefer an open media session myself. <laughs> get along, watch the lads do maybe a bit of sparring, a bit of bag work, grab people for a chat and then have a conversation or elsewhere. You know, as opposed to the top table thing, I wouldn't be into it. But at the same time, the one that was out there on Friday gave us a good introduction to the uh, the newcomers because that's what this Elite Share partnership is kind of all about. Jason, Jason Quigley is the spearhead, but there's a couple of newcomers coming along as well. What's Elite cheer and what's the story with it? Well, these promoters, Elite, uh, back to show at the National Stadium back in November with a host of Irish boxers involved. Uh, it was headlined by Craig O'Brien. Did fairly well. Um, I didn't manage to get along to it myself. I had a, I was double booked at work. But it, I, I watched the stream. It looked like a good night's entertainment. And uh, they said they were going to come again. And a lot of promoters have said that over the years and not bother, and not been able to just once they realized that oh, the cost of doing business in Ireland is too much. But they've obviously had a look at the sums and said, listen, we can do this. Maybe if we get a, get a bit of backing, Jason quickly found himself involved on that card. I think as a um, as a commentator, but also he's working a bit in the background in management for Sheer Sports, the, the company that manages him. Uh, and I think he was kind of helping out with Brett McGinty and and James McGiver. And at some stage, then Elite Elite Promotions and Sheer Sports, Jason's Jason's company, or the company that sponsors Jason. Decided to get together and say let's let's work out something here for the good of Irish boxing. Let's let's go again as a partnership. Jason can headline. Uh, I heard whispers about this at the National Stadium a few weeks ago. I heard that one of the fighters as well that, that that Sean at the stadium was going to be turning professional on the show, but this this boxer went and won the thing. So that's been put off for a while, if if that was ever the case at all. But they're headlining with Jason quickly on a on, uh, first. It's his professional debut. Simon in Ireland. He hasn't fought here. You know, he hasn't fought here in Ireland since the National Stadium 10 years ago. Uh, a lot of us would have thought that Jason, when he turned professional, was one of those guys that could transcend the sport uh, and bring big nights back to Ireland. And look, he's 31. He's been to the top. He's fought for the world title. Uh, it was his last outing. You know, he came home and defeated. Broke his jaw in the first round. In agony. Um, you know, you work so hard. You work your whole life to earn a world title shot and then to break your jaw in the first, uh, in the first round of the fight. is devastating. But we all felt, a lot of us felt that he could maybe be the guy to transcend the sport. You know, he had the, the backing of Oscar De La Hoya when he started off. He had the brilliant amateur career. He had the tool. He had the personality. He had the charisma. Had relationships with the media. Had fans, you know, like people in Donegal are, are seriously um, passionate about their sport in the Northwest region. I think Jason Quigley, in different circumstances, could have created a movement in Ireland. But look, it wasn't to be. He remains popular. Remains a, you know remains a well-liked fighter. And he starts again April 1st, starts at the ground floor. And um, what he's able to build in the next year or two, we will see. Now, he's got good people around him. And uh, the first interview we do here is a joint one with Andy Lee and Jason Quigley. Andy is obviously training Jason for the last couple of years. And I guess what this show is all about, the Rocky Road, is, um, you know, no, no fighter gets to the top without having to crawl through rivers of shit, as Andy Dufresne might say. Nobody gets free. Nobody's free of the the, the baloney and the crap in boxing or just the heartbreak and the hurdles. And Jason has certainly experienced that in the last while. You know, his last out broken jaw, world, titled, world title dream ruined. And he's sitting beside Andy Lee, who also suffered for his craft. Like Andy Lee as well. He was, in an, he was an Olympian anointed as a future world champion and pound for pound great by Emmanuel Stewart. Um, you know, losses had his first loss against Brian Vera, but did come back and, uh, get revenge. But then when he was preparing for his first world title shot, he was like very similar to Jason that was beside him. He was without his trainer for, for most of fight week. Emmanuel Stewart couldn't be there. Um, in El Paso, Texas in 2012, when he fought the son of a legend. um, also, the dice was kind of stacked against them. There was allegations of, you know, JCC Jr. had a history with, with drugs and with cheating. And there's always going to be a lingering suspicion that he cheated on the night against Andy Lee as well because Andy said, you know, he'd sparred against everybody, sparred against from middleweight to light heavyweight to cruiserweight and done rounds with heavyweights. And what, but that, what the amateurs would consider super heavyweights. And he said that. Chavez felt like fighting a cruiser right that night. And, he, you know, Lee started well, had some success. But ultimately, his world title dream ended in tears when um, when Chavez defeated him that night. Um, but then after that, like, it, things didn't get any better for Andy uh, in, the sh- in the short term. He lost Emmanuel Stewart, who died that summer. And, uh, you know, the whole, the whole boxing world was in mourning that year. Uh, Stewart was obviously much loved everywhere, you know. And still is, still is. You you still see people on social media putting up the odd post every every few days. You know, a picture of Emmanuel Stewart with a quote or a tribute from a different from a boxer he trained or a person whose life he touched. And it the stuff just flies and constantly distributes in from high profile people. And so, if it hit the boxing world really hard, it hit Andy even harder because obviously he was living with with Emmanuel, mentored by Emmanuel, and like like a second father figure. So um he had to rebuild from the ground up after losing his first world title fight. He had, he not only had to deal with the disappointment of that fight but then he had to deal with the uh the grief. And it didn't look like he'd uh you know probably you could have said it didn't look like he'd get to the top of the mountain again. It didn't it didn't look like yeah maybe he'd get another world title shot but it's going to be hard one at the time. Um so Quigley... At the time, was a young up-and-coming boxer. Hadn't yet won a, an elite championship in Ireland, but had been European champion at a couple of different levels and would have been watching. You know, would have known Andy would have been watching him. Anyway, it's a long, a long preamble into the interview, but I thought it was interesting because two years after that fight, two and a half years after the fight, Andy Lee did win a world title against all the odds. So now he's sitting here beside Jason Quigley, who's got a time frame. He hasn't really set a time on it, but, you know, next year to, he expects he's going to fight for a world title. He, he says he's going to win one. He's not just going to fight for one. And it all starts here in Dublin on uh, April the 1st. So, take a listen.
2: Uh, lads, I'm here at the press conference in Dublin talking to Andy Lee and Jason Crigley. Uh, two fight, two uh, fighters of similar age as well, which is even illustrated by the fact that uh, last week's guest, Eamon O'Kane, you both fought him. <laughs> which goes to show. Any memories of fighting O'Kane? I fought him twice in senior finals. And... Uh, I never like find that style. It's more pressure, powerful. We had some good scraps. Pushed me all the way. Yeah, the first fight, the first fight I had a real tough time. The second time, I you know, had, it, had it a little bit easier. But then grown a bit it all. Yeah, tough, tough, tough cookie. Good fight. Great fight. Yeah, twenty ten you fought. Yeah, that was. Um, I think that was my first uh, first year in the national seniors. And. Um, he had a good fight. Eamon was always, you know, he was always in your face. Um, he was a he was a tough fighter. I know I did one uh, comfortably on the night on points. But uh, pressure-wise, like, Eamon was always, he was always on First you. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. never, never give anybody an easy fight. Like, he was always there coming at you. But, uh, yeah, Eamon's a great lad. And many's mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. a great as we had then across the road yeah. then as well, like, you know. Well, we're here to talk about your fight here in Dublin on, uh, on April the 1st. Jason, it's a comeback for you. And uh, I guess Gavin brought it up there at the top table. It's part of a rebuild following the world title fight. Uh, Gavin asked a question I was going to ask almost. But Andy, you've been through it. You've you, your blood sweat and tears into your career you took the highs took the lows and then your first world title came your way 2012 and didn't go as planned how do you bounce back i know you had personal issues with losing your trainer and stuff but how do you how, how do you rebuild you've got to really want it you know you get to really now is the time it will be easy for jason to retire and even in the coming months and you'll find reasons you know And it's easy to become disillusioned and and lose the faith in yourself and and the belief in yourself. You have to find yourself. It has to to be within you, you know what I mean? It has to be deep, deep inside and have a desire to get back in the ring and also um, to reach your goal. So, it has to come from him. him. It's ten years since your first fight after your world title challenge was unsuccessful against Chavez Jr. your first fight back was back in Ireland against Anthony Fitzgerald. Yeah. Did you feel pressure? Obviously, you were working with a new coach at the time, an Adam Boot. But what was the anxiety level? What was the pressure like? How did you adapt to it? And you know, it was a, it was a tough fight, a distance fight. It yeah, was well. a tough fight. It wasn't there was no pressure, anxiety. I was adapting to trying a new style, out. the fight, I was trying to fight on the inside, which i never done as a pro up to that point. And so I used the fight as a kind of a training training exercise, but. Also I was trying to win the rocking as well, but he's a tough guy and um, it was a great night for him and I, was, I didn't begrudge him that, you know, because I'd known him so well and um, I was, was happy that we both had a good fight. It was a tough fight for me. It wasn't right, it wasn't my best performance and people might have beat me off after that, but ultimately you know, like in the end it didn't give much. You know. it, was, it was it is when you come from such a under you know, eleven to come back and it's it'll simple for Jason and, uh, yeah. He's been fought in America, the front world title against the very one, of the best fighters in the world. But to come back and fight this guy, uh, he'd have to find some sort of motivation for the fight. Mm-hmm. Right. Jason, do you remember Andy Andy's rebuild very well? Did you guys know each other back then? Obviously, you were a big fan as well as a fighter on yeah. Irish yeah. boxing. Yeah. Do you, do you remember watching the Chavez Junior fight, thinking, "Can Andy come back?" You probably had a lot of faith that he could, but then watching him over the two two and a half years later to see him get back there, does that give you a bit of confidence that you can do the same? jeez. Oh, geez, without a doubt, you know, like to just hear Andy's story of what he came through and to come back and to win a world title I think is enough for anybody to believe that they can do it again but having Andy by my side do you know what I mean having him in the gym and having him around me you know I'm really thankful to Andy like I really really am um because I came back here and you know I a, we had a lunch one day and the next thing we knew we were in the gym and like there's no real kind of you know how would you train me or what it was just we just had um, we had a great conversation and this is after Andrade or uh, before when you started working together at first no when we started working together at first and um, you know like I have like any any fighter knows Andy and knows what he's done in the sport and Andy's so well respected inside and outside the ring and uh, I'm just so grateful to have Andy there you know by my side and uh, to have the support there because as it is anybody that just hears Andy's story that's enough to give them to to believe that they can do it. But to have Andy there talking me through things and you know, talking through certain situations is, uh, is priceless, you know. We know Andy changed slightly in style uh, between trainers, obviously, as, as you're going to do. But when he came back and won the world title, he, he had a different style. When you lost to Andrade, you were probably just still a work in progress with Andy. You took your opportunity. Do you have to change anything now to get back to the top or do you just need to keep implementing uh, the changes you were making? I think... Um, Yes, there was certain things that we were working on and like Andy wasn't changing me into a completely different fighter. He was adjusting things and tweaking things in me that um was going to improve me. And not only just in technique, but uh in mindset and everything as well. So that was something that we were we were in the middle of working on as well when the Andrade opportunity came up and of course look, it's it's a hard opportunity to turn down, like that's that's what you're in the sport to do, is to to win and fight for a world title. And there could have been a possibility of maybe not taking that fight and getting one or two more and maybe getting and I think that would might have been the preferable route um from from uh, Andy, do you know what I mean? Because of what we were working on. He's nodding his head here. Yeah. And no, I'm trying to get it. Yeah, yeah, ready. And um look didn't go my way, um, yeah, was, obviously there was a number of things that went against us and Jason. Once first of all, me and um, not having the right visa to get into the country, so I had a visa visa issue and I wasn't allowed in the United States. So then Jason has to go to the biggest fight his career uh, without his coach. And the coach you can say whatever, wants the train done. But every coach takes on every responsibility. In a fight weekend and leads to a fight. And determines like everything Jason will eat, when he would sleep, when he would train, what interviews he does, what type of shoes he's wearing, what type of, you know, all those things the coach controls. And then it's up to Jason. He's over there by himself and making these decisions. What, what was mean? it like for you being at home? I was crazy. It was like, you know, completely attached with detached and like having no like just just, just letting out of control or, you know, this it was it was, it was madness. And then also first punch he got hit when he you broke his jaw so uh, there's a number of de- like you're dealing with a multitude of things your when you're, you're in the ring and in the fight you're trying to box and, and we had a, like our plan was to um andre starts fast all the time and you're trying and then he'll really um drop off and it was to just box smart the first rounds, disengage um early and then take it into the fight and take over a second half because he definitely fades a lot and um, Jason's a strong finisher. Yeah. But when you get your jaw broke with the first punch, it's you know, it's it's just not you know It's just it's just not your night. Did though. you ever think on a bad injury like that at the start? No, never, never, never Obviously yeah. dropped early in fights, but yeah. that's even that's something yeah. that you can fight. You fight on and not know. Yeah, you're boxing out, but like you know, you're, you're trying to box yeah. and negotiate a fight with a broken jaw, pain and uh, you know, every time you get hit then, you know, even move or even just uh, try to close your mouth, you know yeah. me, you know, fight down the gumption, it's a true shame, so uh, it just wasn't, just wasn't dangerous. Did you know watching it? Because obviously, you know or watching boxing, then yeah, no Yeah, I just, I knew he was right, I knew he was trying to deal with something, but I couldn't might have been a hand, I didn't know what, you know, and obviously, I like, even when Jason got dropped, I was like, ah, you're okay, you can deal with that. When he got the first round, I was like, ah, it's okay, they expected it. Yeah. And Jason and I could see he was boxing, boxing well. don't we got in baddies moments and boxed well. And then, just, just the and was, yeah. uh, but just uh, a jaw. How does it feel now, Jason? The jaw, you got the, the plates out. Was there a bit, of, a bit of fear the first time you took a punch in the jaw? Or did you leave it long enough that you said, things are fine, I can deal with this? The actual first slap that I got hit in the jaw was uh, a ghillie ball with, with a lads back at home. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, came, the ball just came in and hit me in the side of the face and it's no problem and I've been in the ring I've been sparring and I've been doing things and you're my couple of right hands uh, <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh, it's meant to be called body sparring but uh, a <laughs> <laughs> um, but no it's uh, I don't know it's 100% like um, everything's top class so that uh, you know we're, we're ready to go again there's no issue with that at all what are your impressions of meeting your opponent up close yeah. now That this time he's he's saying how uh, you know he's, lo- he's a couple of losses on his uh, record most recently but He's been coming in as the away fighter, making way. He's got time to prepare for this one. He's he's coming to win but the looks of things. Yeah, like we're not pulling this lad in last minute and just trying to get a, a knock over job and, and move on. Um, look, he's got plenty of notice to come in and prepare, but look, all that's got nothing to do with me. Like he goes and take care of his shit, I go and take care of mine. And um, I know once I get in there in the night, I'll be able to. And in there like the way we're preparing and the way that we've always prepared I've never I'm so very confident in my dedication and what I do in the ring and what I do outside the ring that you know I'm 110% confident that every time I get in that ring doesn't matter who's across the ropes from me I can get in there and beat them and uh, that's still the plan on April 1st I presume between now and then, your parents from playing Gaelic football. I know, I know, yeah, I get. I'm, I'm out so, uh, look, look for it. I'm on oh, my best man. Thanks, look. I prefer to speak before Thanks. Oh, cheers, cheers, thank
0: you, cheers. you. Yeah, just yeah. listening to that interview that um, you spoke with the two lads, it appears that you know Jason's f- firmly fo- <laughs> focused on the future, and that the the Andrade fights in the past. And but to be fair to Jason, like Boo Andrade is the, without doubt and the most avoided fighter in any weight class and what a performance he put in that night you know I think that needs to be said as well
1: i know uh, like andrade's got history now he's done it to two irish boxers as well he's he's taken out luke keeler and then taken out jason quigley in uh, in their world title fights but it, it would have been nice to have been able to get after him wouldn't it i'm sure jason would feel that he'd love another shot at him despite the despite the the bad memories of going up against boo boo andrade um you like I know, we know he's good. We know he's skilled. We know he's awkward. We know he's very annoying. But you want to be able to really rip into him and, and do yourself justice. You know, you've trained your entire life, for it. And, and Jason didn't get a chance to do that. So um, it's gone in autumn. It's gone not an autumn. And the fact that he didn't have Andy Lee there, he knows that he could have been better on the night. He knows that he could have prepared different. He knows he could have gone into the ring with slightly a uh, different, maybe just anything. Like, what? what is the... The Genesee Quad quality the trainer brings to the brings to the action. Like Andy Lee had Manuel Stewart in his corner. Then on the night that he beat um, Matt Korobov, I'm sure he wouldn't have had anyone else in the world other than Adam Booth in his corner. You know because whatever magic they concocted between them worked. You know he. I remember we we used to have a podcast called uh, Four Thumps back in the day. Myself, uh, Kieran Gallagher, and Eric Donovan, and we had Andy on, and he told us exactly what he was going to do said, I'm sure I'm going to lose some early rounds. I'm going to be in the fight. It's going to be competitive, but Karabov's a great boxer. I know what he's all about, but I know I can catch him and, I'll, you know, I'll draw him in, I'll draw him in and I'll knock him out and I will knock him out. Like, and he said it and so I saw he's watching it and, and he's, you know, he's losing his, he's losing his early rounds, but I, I knew the plan. So I wasn't thinking he's losing them big, but I remember like even looking on social media, ah, oh, this is, this is over. Lee's five down on, please five down on the cards. And not only that, Andy Lee looked, at, looked uh, while he was in the ring, he, he could hear Harold Letterman from um, HBO giving a summary down the mic as well. And he, he does a great impression. I don't think I do, him, but he's like, I got this fight, five to nothing. Matt car above, five rounds, Andy Lee, nothing. And I think that is not a good impression, but Andy Lee's is spot on. And I don't think he, <laughs> yeah. So he knew he was, um, he knew he was going to get his opportunity in that fight. And that was that was probably come from um what he yeah, what he learned in the cronk, he could knock anybody out, but at the same time the game plan he'd come up with with Boot. And had Boot been taken out of his corner in fight week, you know, his life might have been completely different. So we you know Quigley didn't have the benefit of having his trainer there for his biggest fight. And uh we don't know what that means, but they but they do. Yeah, no, I'm not
0: sure it's definitely it's definitely a, not a fallback or an excuse, but it's it's like when um like RNB and me, fans do today we can still get better because we can still have furlong and some of the labs come back you know
1: yeah yeah and and look um, a lot of boxers listen to the show and we know you know they'll tell you more than me how important their their trainers are and sometimes you know you can get the game plan back at the clubhouse and then it's all on the boxer's shoulders and they can go off and do the job whether the coach is in their corner or not and I don't think Quigley's the most coach reliant boxer either he's quite you know things for himself, quite an intelligent guy. He's gonna, clearly going to have a big future in the sport after he hangs up his gloves, either in the management side of it or the, the media side of it. So I think, you know, he's, he's sharp. He doesn't necessarily need his coach chair to hold his hand. But at the same time, this is professional boxing at the highest level. And, uh, you know, everything counts, doesn't it? Every, every percentage counts. Oh, absolutely. And again, just Andrade is an incredible fighter. It's not,
0: you know, sweep that one under the carpet.
1: Yeah, but look, uh, middleweight is opening up as well. You know, uh, Triple G is vacated his IBF titles, and uh, there's going to be opportunities there. There's some quite ordinary fighters around in there. In middleweight, it's not exactly, it's not the the main division. It's not the it's not Broadway at the minute. And I think there's going to be an opportunity. Uh, Lee said afterwards in the press conference, uh, or maybe he said uh, the call could come tomorrow to fight for a world title. Now I don't think either of them would would consider Jason ready to fight for a world title again straight off the bat. They're going to have to get a couple of wins in. And it's going to be interesting to see against this Kim Paulson guy. I think um, like the guy's coming to win. He gave some quotes afterwards saying, you know, he'd fought at the end. He's fought at the national stadium. He's coming back to win again. And, you know, his last fight, he was stopped in the fourth. He's got six defeats overall. His last fight, he was stopped in the fourth. And he, well, um, oh, but that's not the fighter I am. I had to lose too much weight. But you could see there was a bit of a size difference in height. I don't think Jason's going to have, I don't think Jason's going to have any problems. Dealing with this fight, uh, probably a mid-round stop um, you know, midway stoppage in this contest. And uh on to the next one. And I hope there are more because I think the whole point of this promotion is to is to bring in, you know, stars of the future. It's also a home debut for Paddy Donovan, another guy who's trained by Lee. Um, and his brother, brother Edward, like two, two really talented boxers from Limerick. Uh, you know, coached, you know, trained from the seed by their dad, Goo Goo. And uh, we had Paddy on the podcast a few weeks ago, telling us a bit about his life story. Like the family have faced some some unbelievable tragedy in the last couple of years, but they've got talent in abundance as boxers, and they're they're, they're nice men. And it's, it's good to meet them at the National Stadium. There, like I've met I, like in our next conversation now, I just have a quick chat with Paddy and Edward about sparring each other, uh, and their hopes and dreams for the future. I'm here with the uh, the well. brothers at the National Stadium. Uh Paddy and Edward, a place you've graced uh, many times before. Edward, I'll start with you. We had Paddy on the podcast a few weeks ago, so I'll start with you.
2: Uh welcome back to Dublin, Edward, your Irish debut as a professional.
3: Uh look, I'm really looking forward to um fighting back in Ireland again. The stadium is probably where I most feel most at home at. I took ten national titles home from here and I'm really looking forward to the event.
1: Yeah, Paddy, what do you think? Uh Fans have seen you, there's
2: various clips around of you, you fought on big in big bills in in Belfast and across in the UK as well. What's your brother like as a fighter for fans who haven't really seen him?
4: Right now people, Edward can be in the shadows of me because I've started my, career, my pro career a good few years before Edward established my name. And I seem to be the one that people look at. I'm with Andy Lee, I'm with top rank and Edward can be by shadowed. But anyone that has shared a ring with Edward, anyone have seen Edward fight, knows exactly how good he is. And right now, Edward was searching for the platform. This is a massive, massive platform for him. He seems to be established with a great coach in John O'Brien, managed by himself and Tony Bellew. So he's in a great place. The world is his eye story. He's 5-0 as a pro. This is where um, his career is going to kick off come April 1st. His big goals, big ambitions. We've trained together all our life. I know exactly how good Edward is. I know... Exactly. Well, both of us is accomplished in this twenty-three national titles. You don't get them for um, for for being useless, n- being useless, <laughs> basically. So yeah. So we're established human fighters. Edwards under me he might be in the limelight, but soon Edward will overshadow him.
1: You, you lads uh, train together a lot. Do you spar each
2: other? Yeah, of course. We always spar each other. We it's That's obviously a it's obviously tough
4: to spar in your brother, but we kind of put that aside for the spar, and we go as hell for a letter. Um yeah, it's, we've got a very, very competitive gym down there. We've Jim Dunovan beside us there. We've got Spar Edward, Graham McCormick, Jamie Morrissey, Keane Heatherman coming through, this Australian kid. So our club is is um in a great place. We've some of the best talent fighters, professional fighters in Ireland, all in a one unit. We train together, we spar together and we work together and we've a great um We've a great group of guys on. Do
2: you try and overtake your brother in the sparring a bit? Like obviously he's, like he said, he's got the top rank platform, but you're looking to make your name. But you're a bigger guy as well. You're middleweight, and he's he's a welterweight as well. So you look the same. Yeah. You look the exact same. But uh, what are the spars like for you?
3: Ah, uh, look, the spars is good. Uh, the, we learn a lot off each other. We all sparred since we were kids. Um, look, we just take a spar and learning. If he's fighting a Londoner fighter, I'll go the If he's fighting a southpaw, I go southpaw. He helps me with the boxing skill of him. up against a skillful fighter. And, <laughs> look, we just learn. We bounce off of that and we just learn as it goes. Yeah,
1: it's not, uh, like you say it's hell for letter, but I I'm, I'm imagine your dad's such a good technical coach. This is proper skills, bar and yes. you're bringing, bringing on each other's
2: skills a lot, I suppose. Uh, to throwing you boys in yes, the cage.
3: of course. Look, that we're much. still young in our, our journey of professional career, so we came from mostly all our life sparring as amateurs, and we are very technical we're technical, skillful fighters, so sparring is more technical than wars, we'd say. But look, we're bouncing off now and we're learning.
1: You've been around the block doing a bit of sparring. Like, Paddy, you were saying that he was going to be sparring in England. Were you with Josh Taylor? or were you um, with, uh, I was
3: due to spar Josh Taylor, but the fight with Catterall got uh, postponed, so that spar came off. But hopefully, we'll be back over sparring him soon. Uh I sparred some big names, though. as younger as Kid Galahad. I've shared the ring with some good fighters. Sparred Spike O'Sullivan for his world title fight with Lara. I shared the ring with some big fighters and. I'm just happy to get out and do what it takes to get to the top of this boxing game. All
1: right, and lads, you're training out in sunny Spain at the minute. How's that going? For you? It was the absolutely,
4: warm-up? absolutely brilliant. That's Edward's coach, John O'Brien, out there, and very thankful for John for having yeah. us out. And okay. great experience again to be out there in the heat, training, preparing for the next fight, and um, getting into shape, putting in the work out there, enjoying the sun, enjoying the beautiful place in Lanzarote. Yeah, so it's brilliant to be out there. Edward's out there full time mm-hmm. now, so. Yeah, excited! Excited to be out there. And and so I, I Presume you're going to bring, bring a big crowd up as well from uh, Clare and Limerick for this one. Yeah, you can guarantee of that. It's going to be a sellout. Yeah. You know I mean, me and Edward fighting the show this minute, we can sell it out, no problem whatsoever. We we, sell,
3: we We nearly brought a full stadium in the amateur uh, in our amateur career. So it's going to be horrific in our professional fights. And now look, I have a new coach, I have a new manager, John Tony Bellu, and I'm really looking forward to this journey. Is
1: Tony Bellew managing you
3: now? Yes, he is. Yeah. Jono and Tony Bellew. There's co-management, 50-50 management. So Tony will take care of his percentage and Johnno will take uh, care of his percentage of it. And look, we're really looking forward to the big things to come.
1: How are you getting on with Bellew? Like what's what's he like as a guy to you?
3: Um look, I I don't haven't really met him yet, but uh we should come back today with a fight, but he will be back for the show in uh April. So look, we're only starting off and we had some talks with Jono and they're big things in plan. Hopefully we can get the fight with Owen O'Neill in the 20th of May. If he's willing to accept it, I don't know. It kind of looks doubtful. Um, we sent for it a few times. He have not got back to us. To be honest, I think he's ducking and diving. I think it'll only be fair if he's not willing to fight. I think he should vacate the belt and leave me fight somebody else. There's no point stopping up the train. Ain't well, that the truth?
1: Well, hopefully he does because Owen's a good fighter, good entertainer as well. Uh, look,
3: it'll, be, uh, it'll make for a good fight. He's a tough lad. He's, a, I would say, he's kind of a warrior fighter. He fight from his heart, but my boxing skill should be too much for him. I think he knows that. But look, it's the biggest show I think he'll ever be on. I'm not disrespecting him, It's a Katie Taylor show. So maybe he could take it for, through that. Perfect. Well, lads,
1: uh, wishing you best, the best of luck on April the 1st. with to catch you again. Thanks very much for talking to yeah. today.
3: Yeah, to be fair,
0: um, they're putting together a pretty exciting card. And it's not just here Jason Quigley and, you know, some support acts. I mean, Paddy and Edward. I know they've got to put on a show, given the the styles and uh, how they
1: fight. Absolutely, um, you know. Hopefully, we get good opponents for them. Um, it is showcase as a first fight at home, so I don't know what we're going to see. Um, I'm sure budgets are limited, but uh, we'll see on that. We'll see on the night. You know, um, they're not the only set of brothers on the fight as on the card as well. So Barry Walsh is is a promoter from Elite Sports, and uh, his two sons. Paddy and Liam. It's Paddy's debut. And Liam has had a couple of fights to his name as well. So they're both on the card as well. And I think it's the first time two sets of brothers will have boxed in a professional show in Ireland since 1982, when the Crystals and the Davits boxed uh, on a card in Navan. Um, so I had to go fact checking after it was said. It was said at the presser that uh, this is the first time two sets of boxing brothers will have boxed in it. But I, I had a feeling there was another one. So I found 1982. So we have to go back, you know, a good bit in time so the watches should be interesting as well they're both from Kerry as Tyler told him, he's a British champion hails from Scotland and then Dara Egan uh, a guy who's been training in Ireland but he's from Australia so yeah some good um, Jason said you know mate you know said all the right things you you know this is part of a broader plan want to bring along the future and you know want to revitalize Irish boxing they say there's a, t- a TV deal in the off who that TV deal is with I don't know is it going to be one of these obscure sky channels Will it be the Holy Grail, maybe uh, terrestrial TV in Ireland? That is all yet to be decided. It would be lovely to see it happen on. I take it, yeah. It could be TG Carr. It would be lovely to see it happen on TG Carr. I don't know. I don't know at all if it is going to. Um,
0: to, be to, atle- them, to be fair to them and to, and to, and to speak good about them beforehand, they always do. They always are willing to take a risk every now and again. So I hope it is, hope it is TG Carr. they be good. Ah,
1: look, T. J. Carr is the home of Irish boxing uh, on TV. And um, I wouldn't have a bad word said against them. They've stepped up and shown elites and professional shows when um, RT have had no interest. And Virgin Media, who show a lot of sports, they've had no interest either. So TJ Carr have uh, have more than carried the load in the last few years.
0: And this, just, to, just to clarify, this podcast, this podcast
1: isn't sponsored by TG Carr. We are
0: just hope when they turn up.
1: This podcast is documenting the rocky road in Irish boxing. And I tell you, it's been a rocky road. And, you know, there's a perception out there that the Regency Hotel, uh, the the murder of David Byrne at uh, at the Regency Hotel, destroyed boxing in the capital. And it often gets reported, particularly around the context of Katie Taylor's homecoming, that boxing in the south was killed off by the Regency. It's not quite the case. Uh, Things were made very difficult afterwards. And uh, the atmosphere has been different. Um, promoting shows in the capital has been a nightmare. I know that the uh, you know the price of doing business with insurance fees and and boxing union fees and stuff has been quite has been quite restrictive, and you you want to be loaded to be a boxing promoter like that old joke. The best way to become the best way to make a small fortune in boxing promotion is to start with a large one. Yeah. So it's very difficult if you're just a normal person. We've we've seen it with other with other. Uh, Promoters come in and when they're when money's tight and all it takes is a fight to fall through and then have to refund all those ticket sales before you know before that you're kind of going to the bank to remortgage your house as a boxing promoter. And that's that's no good. So you, you hopefully this uh, this elite share partnership has the spondulics there to back it up and you know cover all eventualities. And maybe, you know, with TV, if you want to build a brand, they have to sometimes be massaged into into place. You know, your sponsors have to make it viable for them to do so, I believe with Eric Donovan being televised last year, his sponsors, I think, you know, had an influence in that and they might have made TG Akara's task a lot easier with some with some assistance. And, you know, that's that's what, that's what's needed for boxing. When Brian Peters brought TV back uh, and started the Burner Dunn revolution back in the day, that, that made so many fans of boxing and changed the sport here in Ireland. You know, terms were made quite agreeable to RT at the start, I believe, to kickstart the entire thing. And, you know, it needs to happen again.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it, 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 that was kind of the perfect storm with, with Brian Peters and, and the run Bernard had. And even when they rebuilt his career, and he, was, he was fighting out in Breffley House, I believe, um, after he lost. Is that right? He got a bunch
1: of House, yeah, against uh, Christian Faccio. He got a terrible cut. Uh, he bled like a mother. Like, it was it was unbelievable. I remember being down at that one in uh, in Mayo. It was on the same night as David Hay against Monty Barrett. David Hay had just stepped up to heavyweight. I think he'd beaten Enzo McInerly. Uh, and uh, then he took on Monty Barrett and was he for real and I remember getting back to uh, Porrick Corkins in Swinford and watching it, watching it on Satanta Sp- uh, Satanta Sports with my uncles but uh, yeah it was a great night down in, down in Mayo Henry Coyle had a homecoming Ray Moy that was introduced to the crowd after winning the World Junior Championships and you know the regular cast and crew of Brian Peters undercards cards were also in action um, yeah wouldn't it be great to see those days again uh, Simon things are going to be busy in the next few weeks as well so we've got April 1st Jason Quigley, professional day, you know, first time to box in Ireland. Paddy Dunvin, one of the stars of the future, one of our elite stars of the future, I believe. You know, we've got a lot of, I'm not going to name names, we've got a lot of six and seven out of ten people and people who have the potential to move to eight and nine out of ten. But Paddy's starting now from a base of maybe eight out of ten potential and hopefully he can hit the heights, hit nines and tens and be... The elite superstar. He has the talent to become, and the mindset and ability, and the mindset and mentality to become. So let's hope we can get there. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of great talent in Ireland. So we're we're having Quigley and, and Paddy Donovan making their home debuts. The following week down in Waterford, Ring Kings goes again. Neil Powers Ring Kings. They're going to be promoting a show in Waterford, headlined by the Irish I think Irish welterweight title fight between Declan Garryty and Dylan Moran. I think, you know, they're looking to pack in about 2,000 people down in Waterford for that one. And, and like to see that happen will be a massive boost to Irish box. And I think there's talk about a Craig McCarthy versus Graham McCormick, uh, possibly Irish title or Celtic title fight for that. But uh, look, whatever titles on the line, it's gonna be an exciting battle. Limerick versus Waterford, all Munster clash. We've seen what that can what that can bring to the table in um the Jamie Morrissey. Razor tight decision against Kevin Cronin up in Belfast a couple of weeks back. That was ma- that fight was magic. Two unbeaten guys going up against each other um, in Belfast. You know, would have loved to have seen it, as Kevin Cronin said, at the INEC in Kerry or at a venue in Limerick. But look, it was where it was. And uh, fair play to Mark Dunlop for putting the fight on in Belfast. So if we can get that caliber of fight in the South as well, we'll be on to a good thing. So like you're looking at fights on uh, April the 1st, April the 7th, and then Katie Taylor's homecoming on May the 20th against Amanda Serrano, number two. Could be one of the World Fights of the Year at the Three Arena. Don't mind all the talk about Crow Park. I don't think that's happening. Um, Eddie Hearn's been in Dublin this week to meet uh, Conor McGregor and trash out a deal about this, that, and the other, which in itself, I'm very meh about, you know, I don't think. Why do you need Conor McGregor to sponsor a show at the Three Arena? It's ridiculous. Now, McGregor wants to get involved. Maybe wants to trash out well, a two fight.
0: Was, was the sponsor of the Crow Park event. A it, two right?
1: fight deal, yeah. Okay, but so you take away the um, So obviously, the May twentieth thing on the same day as the Heineken Cup final. It's bullshit. Crow Park was never happening that day. No, I'd say the police were like, there's no, way there's that. "No, there's <laughs> no hotels, there's no cops, and there's no chance of selling out the place." So it's three strikes and you're out. Really, like they're not going to sell. They're not going to sell out Crow Park. Well, fifty thousand people are at the Aviva Stadium.
0: Oh, I also wonder why was it that particular date? It's well, like the week
1: later. From what, I, from what I can gather, it's the date that the zone wanted the fight to be on. All right, well then. So if you're, you're, they're listening to, um, you know, our our internet subscription provider, that you know, sixteen people and a duck watch, they're, they're, they're providing the uh, the date, and that's what you got to go with. And and look, these are smart people. They know what they, they know what they're doing. They they took a chance. They, but they might overshot the runway on this one a little bit. Like you're not you're not going to set it out on the day of a. Uh, on the day of the Heineken Cup final. You need those fans who are going to the Heineken Cup final. The rugby dads, you know, you need them to be bringing Molly Dolly and Polly as well. You need them to be bringing the whole family, five of them, going to, going to the boxing. Oh no, it was never going to happen. I don't think there's ever been
0: an event in the Aviv, EV, an event in the Crow Park on the same day. Maybe, as far as a sporting event, maybe there might have been a concert or something, but I just don't, I don't see how it would have worked. No.
1: It takes me back a bit as well when they, when they tried to have an Andy Lee homecoming in there. Uh, tolman park in 2015 and they ha- they were going to hold it on the same day as ireland's rugby world cup opener in cardiff against canada yeah now, that wasn't the best idea ever to be fair if you're holding a sporting event in limerick uh, at a rugby stadium in limerick and you're marketing this towards you know bring everybody all the sporting fans all the people who love sport in the wider Munster and irish area but limerick you know a, a rugby town and you're trying to get them to come to your events. Well, 25,000 are probably over in Cardiff. Do you know what I mean? Even if they have tickets or not.
0: Yeah. No, that wasn't the so, you know, best plan thing I've ever heard of. We can't
1: have a boat ways. Ireland is tiny. We need to have, you know, we need to have a clear run at it. So it, lo- it does look like, you know, hopefully September will take place. And Taylor gets her homecoming in, in May and then fights again in September. I, just still, don't, I still can't escape the sneaking feeling that Serrano's going to tweak her elbow or something like that and uh, you know come back to me if I'm wrong but I think I think Serrano's going to tweak the elbow say listen I need a bit more time but I'm in for September Katie Taylor fights I'm not going to say an easier an opponent because at the at the level she's at now every fight is difficult but a, a different opponent because Katie Taylor could fight you or me and sell at the Tree arena I, I kind of thought she could do the same at Crow Park but not on the same day that there's a rugby final but to be fair now I bring something to the table as well you know so well in our next clip you're going to hear that you're going to you're going to need to shave that beard if you want to get yourself in the ring in the next world because if I if I have to Simon you're definitely going to have to our next clip uh, and our final I talked with uh, Jonathan O'Brien uh, lanzarote based Irish boxing coach who used to be a pro in you know we're talking about Dublin boxing here in Irish boxing he was a pro in Ireland between 1998 and He fought on some of those Brian Peters cards Um at the, t- at the time, kind of, Bernard Dunn was getting kicked off. Went, went to England and based himself uh, under the Ingalls, Brendan, in- you know, worked alongside Brendan Ingle and stuff like that. And now he's training guys out in Lanzarote. The Donovans have been out with him for the last couple of weeks, getting themselves sharp. And uh, as Edward Donovan explained in our last clip, uh, he started a new kind of little management vet- venture with uh, Tony Bellew, the bomber. Uh, so I thought, that kind of tweaked my interest and I said, uh, I'll ask him about that first. Okay I'm here with Jonathan O'Brien He's training Edward Donovan Out in Lanzarote And the rest of the Donovans Are out with him Getting getting fit and fresh For the fight on April the 1st Jonathan how's it going Are you well? Good mate how are you? Very good yeah uh, He was Edward was saying that you, you are managing him now Alongside Tony Belly That's an interesting new move an
5: Interesting angle Yeah well Me and Tony go back I was As you know I used to be with the Ingalls And David Caldwell Was one of my teammates there Ryan Rose Johnny Nelson We all lived together And trained together about five or six years i was out there so we kept contact through the years and i used to go out to david a lot when i was bringing lads out for sparring and and he was training tony at the time as you know and then tony won the wbc title out there and we've become good friends over the years and tony just likes the way i walk he likes the passion that i have about boxing he likes you know have a good day for the game and that's what you need you know and we sat down we took on this kid called pierre de bomb and he's 21 and now this kid is special <laughs> super middleweight he's 4 or 5 lift, 5 points away from the, world top the title. yeah you know, and we're just in contact with, we're just waiting to get a contract with him for the minute now, signed as a promotion there. We've had a couple of options, we're just waiting, uh, and room as well as one of them. And then Tony got on to match room to get um, Edward to fight O'Neill for this Celtic title if he would fight him mm-hmm. on the Katie Taylor on that card. So we're looking to get Edward on the show, and then um, he just says, What do you think? And I says, Well, there's one thing I think. I can't teach anybody how to have a heart and balls, and that young fella has plenty of. I've seen him sparring over the years, he's been back and forth to me, Jim. And the father sent Paddy out a few times to me, and Paddy really likes my training. And so Edward come out, and then we gelled. That was it. I took him on, and then I said to Tommy, Are you interested? He said, Let's go. We manage them together. Like, we're managing Pierre together, and I train Pierre. So we do team managing the ball, but together. Yeah.
1: Obviously there's a lot of trust needed to have a joint management and, 100%. Th-
5: uh, and, and trust is what well. me and Tony are so similar in ways. You know Tony, and I don't know if you know me, but everyone that knows me in the boxing game knows what you see is what you get. There's no different guy. I speak the way I speak and I say the truth. And some people like it, some people don't. Did you box many times here at the National Stadium I did, yourself? Yeah, yeah. I did. I fought here for a very long time. Until um, I was around 19 then I turned pro with Brendan Ingle then in uh, Sheffield yeah. um, so I've been here with Bernie Ingle was my coach fought for the All-Irelands I fought at Dublins and here in ringside everything be, this was my second home Yeah. so I was where. What part of Dublin are you originally from? I'm from Pearsley Street. Street. originally that's where I'm from and um, I was with Matt Talbot Boxing Club okay. so I had Bernie Ingle there Emma Martin Liam Martin they were like my oldest coaches and um, Bernie Ingall done a lot for me and John Ingall, the two Ingall brothers, um, and Brendan was his brother. I was fighting for the Irish team against England and he flew over in the and Hotel. I was day, 16 at the time and um, I beat one of the English uh, champions and Brendan was there and he, he invited me to go to Sheffield and started from then that was it uh, yeah enter that into was, a yeah. different world oh, 100% I was with Nazim Muhammad at the time at 44 hitting the point double do you remember yeah yeah my mum and dad, my mom and dad went to, I wasn't allowed to go I was on the coach going around with him when he come around a few weeks before he got on a coach an open air coach and we went right around the whole of Dublin and then we were in Grant Street he set up a ring and there was people trying to hit him and I was there like I was only about 17, I think at the time I was 16, something like that. But yeah, being around them means you're saying, like, I want that. Yeah. You know. It's a different boxing, amateur boxing and professional boxing are two different sports. I'm not an amateur coach, I'm a professional coach. And there's you know, you have to (coughs) adapt when you leave the amateur boxing to go professional. And it's two different sports, just remember that.
1: Yeah. Like the Donovan's look on first glance to be they're built for amateur boxing aren't they they're high energy high pace uh, incredible shot selection and they're in the process now
5: of, uh, of transitioning on, cha- on transition changing over to the pros I'm working on it now with them as you can see on my um, Instagram I'm on Champions Gym right. Um I'm working on them, getting them to sit the shots more just little drops listen as I say there's great coaches out there you need to have a good eye on what you see, mm. and that's the difference. There's no difference with his. How is he a better coach than him? It's just like you—you you don't change a fire That's the problem with some people. They try and change the fire He's been winning all the years, being doing that naturally. Mm. All you do is adapt them totally, just like his movement, the drop, his head movement, sitting on the shots a little bit more, mm. walking on his power shots more than just the tip tap on the nerve on the feet. That's it It's the smallest little twinks That you put into a fire That makes a big difference
1: Jonathan You're a true blue right Pierce Street You're a true blue yeah. What does it What does Dublin Boxing Offer that's different And you're looking at A homecoming fight now For Jason Quigley With opportunities For their fighters Hopefully from the capital And further afield well, what's, a, what's a fight night like in Dublin for the uninitiated? Because there hasn't been enough of them in recent years and they're looking to bring back a crowd, like the sort of crowd who went to the Nassim fights who hadn't been to the boxing before, not your run-of-the-mill National Stadium pro shows. What, what can
5: this show offer? Um, you know, What would your hopes for the future of Dublin boxing be? This show offers, I'll tell you one thing it offers. It offers an opportunity for four years now in Ireland. It's a shame. I feel disgusted. I feel sick. I look at my. I want to. I want to say more about what's going on in in, in Ireland at the minute for the foyers because I feel so sorry for them. The messages I get on my Instagram from young Irish foyers and um, walking away from the game that are very really talented because there's no opportunities for them to go forward. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace, and I don't want to say too much because the problem is I, I can't keep my mouth shut when I have to say something and I told you I'm straight but the Boxing Federation need to cop on they need to start working with um with some promoters and they need to start thinking about the orders for it coming through as professionals you know they need to you know meet me somewhere you know like this show here now but much it cost now to do this show
1: I don't know, like, but well, I, well, I imagine that in order to promote, I've seen some some lads I know that are well, be putting their own money on the line yeah. to promote boxing here, so, and it's you, it's you know if it goes wrong, you you can lose your house. So
5: lads are fighting for fucking free. Lads are going over and fighting to get on shows. Where did you? Where are you going, pro? You go pro because you want to make a bit of money. Mm. Why are you paying to go on a show? What's that, Bill?
1: Investment in yourself to, you know, pay your way for the first few years, and then hopefully make the big bank. But most people don't get that far. They they spend their money investing on their own careers, and then by the time they they might lose their tenth or eleventh fight, or get become inactive after six or seven. There's a lot of lads in Ireland that are kind of retired undefeated
5: now, but they're four and zero. Thank you. And they lost money to photos. And one. it's a disgrace. So please, God, Barry and the team and Jason, put it, you know, give an opportunity now for the fighters, you know. And at the end of the day people say to me oh you know I want to go out there and train I train everybody I won't hold me back on nobody I give everybody up an, an opportunity not everybody can last me pace in the gym and training because they say it's too high tense but why is it too high tense you know boxing is a high tense sport it's a dangerous sport it's the one, number one sport in the world for a reason you know you can't, if you're going if you're going into a fight and you're fighting an 8 round or 10 rounder when it gets tough what happens can you swim that's the question do you like deep waters that's another question so you have to overcome all these things far down the line and this is where I test a lot of fighters when they come out with me a lot of people have failed a lot of fighters have failed a lot of them you see because when you take fighters to a certain point I say to them "Do you ever been to hell well I'm going to take you to hell and back and if they can pass that test they're good enough for me I trust the fighters you're working with at the minute have beat the hell and back trust me well as I say I this, did hell back a few years ago it was grand did you well you're a special one so <laughs> <laughs> listen to me as I say the Irish fighters it, it, they need an opportunity this needs to happen regularly regularly You know, I'd love an investor to come in and and I'd promote shows. Mm. I mean, because it is a lot of money to put up for a doing events. And I understand promoters wanting fighters to, you know, sell tickets and and pay for the cost because there's no money in it. Yeah, There's no money in it unless you have a big backer and you have TV. Listen, I'm sick of England having Eddie Hearn, Frank Warden, you know, Ben Shalom. You know, we can keep going, the Wisermans, all these people they're not giving the Irish really re- like, they're giving a odd irish fighter, a nod one or two
1: yeah and then every once in a while they get a good Irish fighter and they say oh another oh, win yeah. and we'll bring him yeah, home you know, and, and then, we've been fed these scraps over the years by Hearn Warren Mick Hennessy Shalom will be saying the same very soon no doubt exactly. about it but it rarely rarely comes to pass unless they've got a really
5: special one and then I'm it's sick few and fear. far between uh, if I'm sick of it you're sick of it everyone else is sick of it so please God, Barry does the business and we do regular events. And um, as I say, me and Tony Bellew now are partnering up together. And um, we have two footers at the minute now with me. He's got another few fighters, at Dickinson and he's another kid in Liverpool.
6: And
5: um, he's with me now. So I'm looking for some good artist talent coming through the ranks and as well, you know,
1: there's talent, and you get to live in, in Lanzarote as well while you're at it.
5: But listen, they don't need to live in Lanzarote, all they need to do is do three weeks camp, go home for two weeks, and come back out another three weeks, four weeks, and then be fight. Simple as they're not going to miss their families. Could you make me a boxer? <laughs> I'm I'm you need to I've, that. Part.
1: I've got some stuff on YouTube, so I, do I
5: qualify as a YouTuber? Well, the YouTube viewers now are making a fortune, and we can't knock them, you can't knock them for what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? They're doing it. It's probably another way of making, selling tickets and doing events. So I, can't, I wouldn't knock them. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to respect anyone that gets in the ring, no matter who they are. And they're doing the business and they're making great money. Look at these fighters, right? They've won 12, 13 Irish titles and European gold medalists and a six and now as a pro. This YouTuber never fucking fought in his life and then he's going and getting a million. That's a disgrace. But you have to respect
2: it
5: Where did the million come in Who's the next This is the next gen Who's this fella This is Martin Donovan This is Martin Donovan Jr This is Paddy and Edward's little brother And this kid's been over Done a week camp with me In champs camp How did you go In champs camp Tell them
6: Um, It was all good He's a good trainer Um, A good trainer? He, he's a great trainer, and I just want to say thanks to Jono for having us over. Edward and Paddy, my dad, and Jim. And yeah, that's and what, pretty what much your, it. What
1: you want to do. Tell them do. Um, King of the Donovans. King of the Donovans.
6: I want to. Win the monsters and move up here to the All-Irelands and win this. And if I win the cadets, I'm just going to go out to the Europeans and see how I get on out there. Gold medal. And I hope I get gold out there.
1: World Championships, Olympic Games, yes. professional, the lot. Cool. Yeah.
5: This yeah. kid is going to be out with me on the money watch for a that for the next few years, and uh, we're going to, I'm going to adopt him. I'm adopting this kid. Isn't that right? This is the f- your,
1: your dad knows more about boxing than him, I'm sure.
6: Um, uh, they're pretty much the same.
1: <clears throat>
6: they're, um, they're two coaches. My dad is an amateur coach. um, And he's training my brothers, Paddy and Edward, and my cousin Jim. And this fella, Jono, he's a pro coach. And like he's just going to train pros.
1: So you've got all the bases covered. Yes. But yeah. well, look, I'm looking forward to seeing you boxing here in the National Stadium for years to come. Thank you. Good lad. All right, John. Well, thanks very much for talking to no, us well today done. on the Rocky Road. So there's another Donovan coming up on the horizon. Yeah, the production line line keeps rolling on. I told you about Gugu there. He's training a lot of lads in Limerick and Clare. And, uh, yeah, he's another son coming up that's a star of the future. So, you know, look out for him in a couple of years. And then it's added for the fights that have been announced or just something else. No, I never mentioned the kind of the most competitive and probably interesting fight of the night so far. It's a, uh, it's a first professional title on the line for James McGivern who's an up and coming, you know, former Irish elite title holder, you know, was an Olympic prospect didn't really happen, didn't stick around in time for Paris decided to go professional. Um, I probably would have, you know, had he come to me for advice, not that he would, I would have said, ah, you're going a bit early, I think, because I think he was a good prospect for Paris. But he opted to go professional and it's been slow. It's been a slow build, but he's with sheer sports now at the minute. Uh, James McGivern was supposed to meet Tony McGlynn last year at, on the Michael Conlon versus uh, Miguel Mariaga fight at the card at the SSC Arena in Belfast. It fell through. There was a lot of unhappiness behind the scenes about, you know, the demands and the, the rounds and blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. And um, McGivern and McGlynn, McGlynn kind of came straight out and said, he chickened it. He He balled it. So all this sort of stuff gets said on social media between all these fights and they're always trying to build interest. Obviously, neither of them are afraid of the contest, I don't think. They're fighting now for eight rounds for the BUI Celtic title. And uh, yeah, I think the promoter, Barry Walsh, is licking his lips at this. When everybody wants a competitive fight, like something to really spark off. Um, so I'd imagine it'll be kind of high up on the card. It'll get the fans uh, get the fans pumping. And it's good to have a dub on the card as well, Tony McGlynn, because you know as Brian Peters said to me once once a few years ago he goes you, you can't be a good fucking dub is the way he said it and uh, you know hopefully McGlynn brings the, brings the people McGivern's surely going to bring a decent crowd down from Belfast for his first title fight and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to that one you know the both of them are anyway I, I like McGlynn's quote I like uh, McGlynn's quote at the end of it he, you know McGivern did all the talking. Oh, I've fought here at the National Stadium hundreds of times and I've won here hundreds of times and this is like a second home for me and I can't wait and blah, blah, blah. And uh, McGi- McGivern just says, what do you say? He says, "He uh, I'm buzzing. I can't wait. I fuck all else to say, but I, I can't wait. That's it. Everyone laughed. And uh, you can tell he's a man of more action than words. So, you know, it should, it should be a good contest. You'd have to think McGivern's a, a favourite for it. With You know, he was tip for the top, tip for riches and tip for stardom by Michael Cohn years ago. But, you know, that that doesn't always work out for people. No, not in the boxing game, no. No. Yeah, no, it's in, no harm having a competitive contest on the card
0: just to uh you know get the, get the fans in.
1: Absolutely. Um so you know, whoever wins it is going to be in a great position. If if McLean wins, you know, we have to take we take him very, very seriously. Not that we don't already, but he's he suddenly elevates himself massively in the uh, in people's minds and in the rankings. And he's suddenly, you know, whoa, this guy's this guy's, you know, he's there to be taken really seriously. And if McGivern gets past the test. As he would be expected to, he can. He's he's more for real than than he than he was before as well. I think. Yeah. No. No better. No better way to leave the show on that note. It can't be a domestic derby like I mentioned. Um, it's unfortunate Katie Taylor doesn't have someone to fight. That's that would have been good, wouldn't it? Stick sticker in against a, a good Irish girl at the Three Arena. I don't know. I don't know. I saw a box at the Three Arena once before. It was um, Caroline Barry, a Canadian. It was on the Bernard dunn Ricardo Cordoba undercard. 2009, March the 21st, and uh, that fight was amazing. I think it was probably for most of the crowd the first time any of them had seen Katie Taylor. She'd won, you know, multiple world and European titles at the time, and she'd boxed and I think won, I think a a Paddy Highland pro am already at that stage. But this was bigger again. Three arena place was absolutely buzzing. Ireland won the Grand Slam uh, that day, beating um, beating Wales away, wasn't it? With a last minute with a last minute drop goal, and then Stephen Jones missed. The last gasp, halfway line penalty, all okay. taking place while uh, I think while poor l g m Jim Rock was boxing on the on the card. Was well, that's right, Jim? Yeah, we talked about it before with Jim, and then <laughs> when the when the crowd were really whooped up, that's when they said, "Right, let's bring Katie into the ring." So that should be a stunning atmosphere at the Three Arena. And look, hopefully they can hopefully they can make a deal and do you know do September at Crow Park as well. It, McGregor has has sponsored um, boxing boxing matches before. He did um. He did Fury against Wilder too, I think. Sponsored the ring, proper twelve. So it's not that unusual to see to see um, him sponsoring boxing matches. But you know, there was an interesting article by Kieran Cunningham in the Star earlier today. You know, saying how desperate does Eddie Hearn have to be to get you know someone like McGregor involved? Like McGregor, you know, Katie Taylor is a unifying force in in Irish sport. McGregor is not a unifying a unifying sport uh, force in Irish sport. He has his backers, but he has a lot of people who are completely turned off by his antics. Um, you could say the same thing about bringing fights to Saudi Arabia. So, Well, I would say the same thing about bringing fights to Saudi Arabia. And I think Kieran did in his article as well. I wouldn't be a fan of it. And not everything should be about maximum profit. Um, Hearn would argue that everything should be, a bit, should be about maximum profit. Katie Taylor's career is there. She's a prize fighter. She's there to make money. I'm there as a promoter to make money. But that's not quite the story we've been sold about Katie's career so far. You know, this is an emotional homecoming. Yeah, no, this this was a, 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 I might be... This wasn't, let's go back to Ireland and extract as much money as possible out of this as well.
0: We deserve to fight in front of our own and we're looking at Crowe Park. So we were, that, that, that's what we were sold or we told we were being sold.
1: Yeah. You know? If 80,000 people paying in can't, uh, can't make enough money, well then, what are we at really? Just go fight in Las Vegas. Forget the emotional homecoming.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, again, it comes down to the date, but if you move the date, I mean, it'll sell out if, if it's just her fighting, let alone whatever else they put on the card. So like, it, it
1: boggles the mind a little bit. Mm. Well, look, anyway, we, we as boxing fans, we've got three shows to look forward to April 1st, April 8th and May 20th in the next few weeks. So I think uh, boxing fans are going to be well served and no doubt there's going to be action taking place in Belfast as well because I believe Michael Conlon's on the brink of confirming a homecoming and a world title another world title fight and uh, I'm sure Mark Dunlop uh, as a promoter of esteem in Belfast is going to have another show or two on in the meantime as well and uh, hopefully get TJ Carr back involved in those as well because those shows are always entertain a good value for money and uh, he's got a rising he's got a rising cast of stars up there as well so we've given a good overview of it there, there today we haven't got to everybody um, like we, I could have spent the whole podcast talking about just the lads who were boxing in March in Boston. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? You've got Thomas O'Toole headline on one show and Callum Walsh headline another show. They're backed up by Tommy Hyde, uh, who's on the Thomas O'Toole show. Joe Ward is on a show in Boston or in on the East Coast anyway. In March, there's more lads fighting in February at the end of February. So, like, there's a bit of a it's all happening, it really is all happening. All the all the young lads that I've been writing about for years that are kind of coming through, that are, you know, they're at prospect level still, they, they haven't hit contender level. Most of them are going to hit contender level now in the next 12 months, uh, 12 to 24 months. They're, they're coming out through as top prospects as opposed to just under the radar prospects. So every fighter has to go through a, a little journey on their own kind of rocky road. And, and we've kind of changed tack in the show as well. We used to primarily interview kind of like yesterday's men And, you know, lads whose whose victories and their glories were in the rearview mirror a bit. We used to look back 15, 20 years and you fought this guy 18 years ago, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll still do that on the show, but there's just too many prospects out there who are 4-0, 5-0, 6-0, 7-0 with interesting stories. And I want to tell them, we, we want to tell them now, don't we? Like that's kind of seems to be the aim. There's too many lads out there that we can't just, we can't not talk to them really. And you'll see that in next week's show as well. We've got a young prospect Fascinating life story and uh, yeah, we're uh, happy to bring you these stories on the Rocky Road.